Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I'm excited to bring you an interview with Sean Inman, um, my friend, previous guest of the show. Welcome back, Sean. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, we have connected over the years um, largely because we are both writing the same genre of time travel, although you're... Um, Relive your lifetime travel slightly different than mine. That's probably something only the geeky, like time travel nerds like us, know the difference in. Um, <laughs> a little subgenre <laughs> of time travel. Yeah. yeah, but for people who aren't familiar with you, can you give us the brief uh, rundown on on your your books? Sure, I have a I have a twelve book series that I just wrapped up called the Middle Falls Time Travel Series. The, the it's kind of a metaphysical time travel, I guess, uh, because the basic idea is if somebody in this town dies with unfinished business on their soul, when they die, they instead of going on to whatever's next, they wake up at an earlier point in their life. And, but know everything they they remember everything that happened in their previous life, hopefully giving them a chance to fix whatever they messed up the first pass through. Uh, and some people only need that second life uh, to kind of work their way through it. But if they don't figure it out and they get to the end of their life again, however that happens, and they die again and they haven't fixed it, they just wake up back in that same spot again. So they could perpetually be returning to that same spot until they figure and some people are pretty stubborn like i don't want to figure out what's going on in my life and if that's yeah. the case uh, my one of my characters ends up living his same life again over 1100 times oh my god he was pretty stubborn yeah is this the uh, <laughs> we have the cover up um of the many short lives of charles waters was charles your stubborn one, one. Yeah. charles was my stubborn one yes exactly yeah it sounds like he, it yeah. wasn't quite getting through to him there no. Uh, and he, you know, and you write a 12 book series that basically has the same hook, which is you die with unfinished business, you wake up, you got to find ways to kind of freshen it up uh, and keep it fresh, not write the same book over and over. So for him, what I did was the book opens with him sitting in his doctor's office and the doctor says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have 30 days to live. He lives out those 30 days, dies back in the doctor's office with the doctor saying, I'm sorry, you have 30 days to live. So he has to ah. figure things out in little 30-day increments. He doesn't have years or decades to figure it out. He's got to figure it out in only 30 days. Yeah. That's a fun hook. I like that. Yeah. I made him I made him suffer a lot, unfortunately. And it, he's one of my favorite characters. You know, that's what we do. The people that we really love, we do yep. the worst things to. Yeah, we so. torture them the worst. That's funny. Um yeah, so it's a it's a cool hook, and and I think that um, you you do it really well. I've you know you're one of the few writers that I can say yes, I recommend these books personally because I've read them personally. Uh, not everyone yes, who comes too on for the you. show. Yeah, that's, so it's, that's how it works. It's nice that way. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot more comfort doing that when I've actually read the books and enjoyed them. So, um, yeah, it's always fun chatting with you about you know whether it's metaphysical time travel or anything else. Um, but I also want to talk to you a little bit about what you, cause you said you've done 12 books in this series already. Um, yes. but you're also now thinking about branching out into something new. You mentioned to me about, uh, portal fiction. Can you explain yes. to people a little bit about what portal fiction is? Sure. It's, it's a, 
It's just it's a little again a little tiny subgenre off of of time travel that I've always loved. So because um, it doesn't necessarily have to be time travel. Portal fiction, probably the most famous portal fiction is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, which is where somebody steps mm-hmm. into through a portal of some sort and comes out in the other side somewhere else. Uh, Probably my favorite port is Stephen King's 2263, mm-hmm. uh, where there, you step into one place and you end up back in 1958, I think, uh, from the present day back to 1958. And there's and one of the things I like about it is there's no explanation for it whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's a magic wardrobe. There's a rabbit hole somewhere in this little restaurant that takes you back to 1958. And I, I really like the, the simplicity of that. Just the, uh, okay, I can just tell the story. I don't have to worry about it. And here's how we invented a time machine, you know, yeah. which uh, I, I'm not, the, I, I didn't pay that, that much attention in science class uh when i went to college so i i'm not one of those writers that can come up with convincing mechanisms for for time travel so yeah it's nice uh, if you can just have a hole in the universe somewhere that you accidentally fell through and yes sort of that's actually the exact uh title of the of the book that'll be coming out it's called a hole in time um oh and very cool yeah Yeah. and you know i thought because you know you and i know coming up with titles is a bear, uh, yeah. and I, I thought of that one the other day, and I thought, oh, oh, I'll bet there's a million books out there already called a hole, and there's none. There isn't a oh, wow. single book out there called a hole in time. Of course, now I've told you, and by yeah. the time I get it published in January, there'll probably be four <laughs> other books out there called a hole. That seems to happen. Like the last uh, few one books, time, I've, the whole, so. yeah, the uh, last yeah. few books I put out, they've, I've had this idea, and I've even gotten the cover designs done. And then there's nothing else out there. And then after, sometime between getting the cover done and publishing, someone else pops up with a book that has the same title as me. But it, it happens. Yeah. yeah. It's like good titles are just floating out there in the ether and we grab it. And so concept behind this book, it's a little trilogy that I'm planning on. I just got done spending two and a half years of my life writing 12 books. So mm-hmm. I'd like to take a little break and just write three books. That seems like a nice short little uh, project for me now after 12 books. Um, and the idea is that there is a man who lives in central Oregon who is remodeling his basement one day and starts looking at the wall and thinking that wall should be three feet further that way. What's going on? And so he goes outside and measures his house on the outside. Then he goes inside and measures the house on the inside. And sure enough, it's like three and a half feet shorter than it should be. And there's paneling there. So he tears the paneling off and then there's a brick wall and he tears the brick wall out and there's another brick wall. And he, you know, he just keeps, now he's committed. He's got to find out. And when he gets in, he finds a letter there from someone who says, I put those walls up for a reason, idiot. Don't come in here. Well, you know, yeah, you got to go cute. in or you don't have a book. And yeah. uh, and in this case, that's the portal. It's in this guy's basement. And he steps through the portal um, and ultimately ends up 100,000 years in the future. Oh, wow. Um, and he steps out. He, he, he steps out of his house, which is in central Oregon. And when he steps through the portal, he is he stayed in the same place geographically, but the ocean is a hundred yards from his house. The rising oceans have have 
you know, come right up to where he is. Yeah. And then the adventure kind of takes off from there. But when I was young, I, I grew up reading uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs and Robert E. Howard uh, and, and these great adventure stories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote about Pellucidar, which he went down into the core of the earth and found all these dinosaurs and weird things inside the earth, which when I was 13, 14 years old, that just fired my imagination. So I'm going to try and take kind of the spirit of those books and bring it into portal fiction. So it's just flat out uh, an adventure story, uh, hopefully suitable for all ages and that sort of thing. Sounds great. And it really kind of taps into some of the things we've been talking about the last couple of weeks on this show. Um, which was at Nink, I was talking to Chris Fox and he did a talk where he was talking about how we tap back into our younger selves, like the readers we were when we were eight and 10, you know, those formative books, how those live on inside us. And then we as writers recreate those. And it sounds like you're doing that in another instance, going back to your core, back to your roots, writing what you love. I guess the idea, you know, the, the constant refrain is, write the books that you want to read that aren't out there. Uh, and I went back recently and reread Pellucidar and At the Earth's Core and Tarzan and some of those books. And I thought, I, I wonder what's something current that people are doing that I could find that's like that. And I couldn't really find anything out there like that. So I said, okay, if it's not there, I'll create it then. And and so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, if, if there's any... You know, truth to the cycle of things, it seems like it, it's a good idea because it seems like a lot of the stuff that was popular 30, 40 years ago was coming back. So things that, you know, exactly. are popular are popular again because you have a whole yeah. new fresh audience of, of new readers yeah. uh, ready to enjoy those same stories. And of course, if you're of a certain age, reading Pellucidar again is n- not a big deal because I read them when I was a kid. But if a, a current teenager picks up Pellucidar, a book which was written in like 1913, the the kind of stilted language and the I, fiction was just different back then. And they're going to read about two pages of that and go, you know, close it and say, I don't want this anymore. So I'm trying to update it to the present day tropes, but keep that spirit alive of, oh my gosh, look where we are. Everything is different. And there's tribes of unfriendly people coming at me. And what do I do now? So. Yeah, so you go back and look at some of those classic books of fiction. I feel that way about you know the Time Machine or anything, any of those you know, classic right. pieces that you know even just looking at the page, it's massive blocks of text yes. and lots of backstory <laughs> and lots of just yes. straight narration without dialogue. I mean, those just, and no showing, but yeah, just everything is telling. This yeah. happened and then this happened and then that happened and yeah, yeah. I just uh, I went I I loved sci-fi when I was a kid and I went back and reread Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End uh, here a few months ago and I was absolutely shocked to find because I loved it as a kid. It's about 90% just him telling me as the reader what happened. It's like he, he never chose to put me in the scene, but just said, okay, we went on the spaceship and this happened and okay, now we're going to go over here. Uh, and I was shocked. But when I read that in, you know, 1974, it, it sounded right to me. But today it just, it, it kind of clangs a little bit in the ear as we try to read it. And we are now competing with different forms of entertainment that those writers were yeah. not. And the attention spans yes. of modern readers and modern viewers of content are much shorter. We've really got to 
you know, not just compete with other books, but with other media altogether. Um, Netflix. Joe Solari says, uh, Disney figured every seven years there's a new generation that hasn't seen old content. And, you know, they're right. And it's almost, like I said, because of the format of the content, we have this opportunity to reinvent, you know, even, you know, like you say, every seven years you get for, for kids that are, you know, watching movies. But, yeah. Um, yeah, for us, it's almost our duty to kind of reestablish the genre every certain amount of decades, right. I would imagine. And a couple of years ago, I did a survey on my Facebook page where I just asked, how do you read my books? And the biggest surprise of that survey was the percentage of people who read my books on their phone. And at the time, this was a couple of years ago, I never would have thought of reading a book on a phone, so I didn't think about it. But since then, you just mentioned in the old books, those massive paragraphs and just blocks of nothing but type. It's really made me aware uh, that I need to shorten down my paragraphs, my sentences, my chapters. Mm -hmm. My average chapter length used to be about 3,500 words. And now my average chapter length is about 1,200 words because my readers tell me that they read where they can often in line while you're waiting for the kids to get out of school or at the in line at the bank or the grocery store. And if they can feel if they can read through a chapter while they're doing that, they feel like, you know, they've really accomplished something in, in moving the book forward. So and the phone so has given live, us that. Learn, yeah, change. the phone has given us that versatility. I can tell you exactly where and when I read on my phone. And it's usually at Chipotle down the street because I'm in line. I don't want to get my Kindle out of the car. I'm in line. I'm stuck there. Exactly. And it's the only device I have. So if I can sit there and read a book while I wait for my burrito, then exactly. You've accomplished something. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm using my time. Well, um, granted I listen to a lot of audio too. So that's my other, um, outlet. I'll probably listen to it on audio, but if it's loud or, or, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it. The device is already there. So for those of us authors writing in today's media, we have to understand the device that is on the other end and how we get our story through to the reader through that device. And even in audio, I think short chapters are good because a lot of people are listening on their phones while they're doing short tasks. And again, if they can just take seven, eight minutes and listen and get a full chapter in. They and, and if you've got more time than that, there's no detriment to having short chapters. Again, you feel like you're really making progress. And of course, that gives us the chance to end each short chapter with at least a small cliffhanger of some sort to make them go, I got to know what happens next. <laughs> yeah. And then this is probably a good segue to talk about the other media. We, obviously, we're focusing here on our digital media, our, our ebooks and our audio. But you've done something unusual where you've also augmented your print sales in an unusual way. One of the reasons I reached out to you about this episode was because I saw a post that you put in the 20 Books to 50K group about ways that you promote your print books. Could you explain for people a little bit about what you've done uh, or what you do yearly with your readers regarding print? Sure. I I actually do it about three times a year, um, and I always tie it in with a a new release uh, that I'm doing. Um, And I publish, on average, five to six books a year. So about every other book, I tend to do this little paperback promo. Um, And what it is is I've got 20 books out right now. Uh, I'm at my my 20 books to 50K for that group. So, um, So what I do is I 
first of all, on my Facebook page, I'm really active on my Facebook page. I my writer page. I post on there pretty much every day. If it's a bad joke or just an observation, or we I ask a lot of questions. Yesterday we were talking about, hey, it's two days till Halloween. What are your favorite scary movies? And you know, we had a we had fifty people told me what their their favorite movies are. So uh, on that page. And to my mailing list, three times a year, I just send out something that says, if you'd like to buy my paperbacks, I'll sell them, whether you want one of them or you want all 20 of them, I'll sell them to you for $10 each. And that's including me signing it, and that's including free shipping. And they sell every day for $14.99 on Amazon. So if people have been thinking at all about paperbacks, a chance to get one signed by the author and still get the same free shipping that they get on Amazon and getting it for $5 less – that tends so people tend to buy like this time i think i ended up having five people who bought all 12 of my paperbacks uh in my middle falls time travel series they knew the series was complete now yeah it was it was wonderful um and it's an advantage for those of us that are in the usa because we have media mail Uh, and as i understand it you know if you're in other countries it doesn't work quite as well they say that in australia even just shipping to australia from australia it's still expensive it's like seven dollars a book or something so obviously you can't do that um but i actually had two people uh one in australia and the other in west australia who bought all 12 and of course i couldn't ship them for free because shipping was 90 dollars uh to get them from the west coast to to australia but they paid the 90 dollars shipping and the 10 dollars a book and uh and they just wanted to have the the signed books which to me that's that's really the important thing yeah i still make a few dollars every time i sell a book that way but much more important is i feel like it 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 binds me closer with my readers if they've made that investment and they take our book and put it up on a shelf somewhere or put it on their coffee table and somebody picks it up and sees oh it's signed by the author you know the author you know it it just it it identifies who our best readers are Uh, and to me those readers that will follow us anywhere and read even when we switch genres as you and i might do from time to time (laughs) Those readers are are like gold. They because they're they're reading a Nathan Van Koop's book. They're not reading the latest time travel necessarily, or a Sean Inman book. Not the next Middle Falls book. So um, I love because. I, I, I always complain to my wife, oh, I hate signing these books, but I, it's because I try to think of something unique to write in inside each cover, a little note, a little memo that has to do with the book that they bought. Um, and I just think those things, it, 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 it really binds us to our readers, and anything we can do that's like that is a very cool thing, can creating you- those, those super fans that everybody wants. I promise I won't steal them, but can you give me an example of some of the things that you write inside your cover? Because I, I always agonize over that as well, especially if I, have to, I, I can do uh, it for one, no problem. But you give me all I know. four of my books and I have to write something different in each one, it, it, I can't do it. Well, so the first one you're right is easy. I yeah. can always write Welcome to Middle Falls. Uh, so go. that's easy. But the second book is about uh, uh, the character is a serial killer in the first book, and then he's the protagonist in the second book. Yeah. So I can always focus something uh, like that. Everyone on Earth deserves a second chance, even oh, Michael Hollister. Yeah, even Michael Hollister, you know, yeah, right. Some, he's, yeah, who is something pretty darn like that. awful in book one. Like, 
Yeah. He's pretty awful, but I, yeah. I swear he, he finds his redemption in yeah. book two. Uh, and book three, it kind of has a romance twinge to it um, where a guy lives his life over and over trying to find his way back to his wife. And I say, you know, so I can sign how far, how many lives would you go to find your beloved? You know, things, just little things like that. If I'm feeling sarcastic, I might say, uh, hold on to this book. It might be worth something someday. <laughs> That's funny. Um <laughs> K. Clark. When asks, I die, maybe all my books will become more valuable. K. Clark asks if you've ever a, uh, thought of trying to sign it as the protagonist or from the protagonist's point of view. That could oh, be that's a good idea. No, I haven't. I'll tell, thank you. I'll steal that idea gladly. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I should probably, uh, I probably should tag Brian Holt in this video too eventually because we were just discussing <laughs> before we went live that uh, we we share a reader who's got our books on the shelf. That you've sent him, he's got. It looks like he's got your whole set. Um, he does. And he came and found. He was happened to be in St. Pete recently, so we had lunch the other day. So, uh, but I can attest to the fact that th there are these readers out there who um, absolutely will go the extra mile for some personal interactions yeah, exactly. with with readers, and it's so fantastic. I mean, I loved meeting Brian. I loved you know getting to hang out with him, and then um, you know to to have that relationship is so important. So I think that I think it's a really cool idea. Um, any other details about like, so obviously we're, we're going to ship a whole bunch of books. You've worked out the math so that yeah. you're still making money off of this deal a little bit. You're not doing it for free. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I, even at $10 a book, I still make about four bucks a book on it. Uh, especially when people buy in multiples because multiples ship cheaper. You know, it mm -hmm. might cost me $3 to ship one book, but it only cost me $8 to ship 12 books. So yeah. uh, again, the low price encourages people to buy multiple books at the same time. Um, and because I'm a tightwad, uh, I save every envelope and every box I get from Amazon all year. And then I just reuse them uh, to ship these books out. So I don't have any shipping costs other than maybe some tape to tape it shut. Mm -hmm. um, and I even use the little interior, the air bubbles and everything. Thing that Amazon sends me. I've got a whole pile of those to keep the book safe. So yeah. um, it's a, 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 so what it does basically, but you're right. One downside that I'd, I'd warn other authors is try to uh, establish how much you're going to need before you go and order three or 400 books. Because when I first offered this, I might send four books out or six books out. Uh, now people wait for me to do it again. And I think last time I ended up shipping out about 200 books. Um, and so for about 24 hours, I stopped being a writer and I became a shipping company. <laughs> yeah. Which, I had, yeah, I had my whole, time. my whole little process there, but it's, it's just fun to me. It's, it's really cool that, that readers now have the ability to just tap the Kindle at the end and send us an email telling us whether they liked our book or not. And that's great. They can always find us on social media uh, and tell us what they like. But having that little physical component of the actual book with our signatures on it, it just feels a little different. Yeah. And I think having, having these ways to, to engage, like, especially like you said, in, in a paperback fashion too, it gives them a physical, tan tangible thing that they have that once was in your hands is now in their hands. And uh, exactly. it's not just in, in today in the indie publishing space. It wasn't just in the publisher's hands, because we're, we're the publisher. You know, like we personally yeah. signed it, and here, here you go. And uh, yeah, that physical 
connection. Like in this case, yeah. legitimately physical object is, is, is important. Because when they get rid of all, a lot of other books on their shelf, the signed ones don't usually get you know, donated. Now it's not as quickly, right? So I, I've been I've been going through and and donating into the little free library and and all that to keep my shelf space pristine. But I've got a, a signed book from from Joe King, uh, Nosferatu, Stephen King's son, who wrote and he uh, signed. I had to go stand in line at a bookstore, uh, and he drew a little Nosferatu in it and personalized it to me. Well, that that book is is never leaving my bookshelf. So uh, that's well, almost kind of what gave me the idea. It's like going to kindergarten and you've got your name written in all of your stuff. Your name's in your shirt and your lunchbox and everything like that. That book has my name in it. It's to me. That's my book. Like, you can't give that away. That's, it's got my name in it. Exactly. So, yeah. No, I think that's, that's great. Um, I, I just, when I saw you, you post that, I'm like, oh, that's just such a clever idea. And I, I, I have I a whole stack of envelopes for it. Yeah, I have a whole yeah. stack of envelopes that I do this on my launches. I don't release as frequently as you. I only do once a year. But I kind of uh, gear up for right after this launch. There's going to be a lot of paperback giveaways. I've got all my envelopes ready. You know, I've yeah. got my. Uh, people should know if you don't haven't used Media Mail in the U.S. that you can just. It's supposed to just be the book. It's not supposed to be anything else. No other material. No other material other than the book. So the you're fact not that even you're supposed just, to put a bookmark in there. Right. By the way. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. I, I I adhere to the rules. And sometimes I do like to give a little – like if somebody orders all 12 books and sends me $120 via PayPal, um, I want to give them a little something. But I can't put by, – by rule, I can't put anything else in. But I wrote a little – novella about five years ago that only cost me about a buck 85 to print from amazon so i order a bunch of them and when pe people buy the complete set i will slip a little copy of that in and say just a little extra gift thanks for the order that's um, fantastic and, that's a great idea and that still works for media mail that way it's amazing how one little extra thing one little extra step makes such a huge difference. I remember I used to run a maintenance shop for as my career as director of maintenance for a for a, uh, you know a flight school and you know airport. So we we ordered a lot of parts, but there was one yeah. particular company that if we mailed away for exhaust parts for planes, there was many I, I could have chosen from. But this particular company, every time you got a box of exhaust parts in, you would also get a bag of Cracker Jack in there with it. It was just like a little single serving thing of Cracker Jack, but it was one of those things that you looked forward to. Like, oh, I got to go cut open the box from, you know, I, I'm going to not remember, I'm not going to say the wrong exhaust company just so that they don't get mad. Like, we sent you those darn Cracker Jacks and you're quoting somebody else. But the fact that they did that one little extra effort of like, we're going to send you a bag of Cracker Jacks, that kept me ordering from them, you know, just because they went yes. the extra mile. I, uh, I spent 25 years as a real estate agent before I became a writer, and my one of my key components of my real estate business was establishing who my A-plus clients were, and it was a small list. I might have 300 people on my list, but I would only have eight or 10 people that I thought were my A-plus clients, the ones who I knew would constantly refer to me, and so every Christmas and every Thanksgiving, I did two things. I One, on Thanksgiving, I would go and buy one of those massive Costco pies, uh, pumpkin pies that are bigger than your head, mm -hmm. uh, and I would take it around and hand deliver it to each of my eight or nine or ten A-plus clients, and uh, at Christmas time, I would go buy one of those 
those massive poinsettias uh, that Amazon or that, that Costco sells, uh, and I would do the same thing. And I found that uh, people really looked forward to that because one, it's nice to get a little present from somebody. It didn't. Co- it cost me probably less than hundred hundred dollars to do that each time I did it, um, and, and but it made people feel kind of special, and you had that special interaction with them. Uh, so it did inspire people to want to continue to to send me business just so they stayed on my A plus list. And to me, sending out a signed paperback is kind of like the 2019 author equivalent of that. By mm-hmm. offering to buy them, they've raised their hand and said, "Yes, I'm your A plus client." So I love that they do that, and I can treat them that way. Then there's something about physically writing someone's name too in the book that ingrains it in your memory a little bit better because you might have a lot of readers. <laughs> You may get a lot of messages. You get a lot of Facebook, yes. you know, interactions and things like that. It's hard to, from one little tiny profile picture, to get a sense of who that person was. But if you've written their name and address on an envelope, you know a little bit more about where they've come from, and yes. you know they are those those A plus clients, and um, they're people that when you see that name, it triggers something. Oh, this email. Oh, that's that's who it's from. I need to pay attention to this. Yeah, right. These, this is a name I see frequently. They are in my Facebook group, and you know, you know, a little bit of extra attention um, can go a long way. Um, so, how how do you identify those A plus clients now? Now that you're an author, instead of you know being yeah. in the real estate business, what, you know, how is how is how do you define it, them now? It's it's recurring connections. I think I, I it's not unusual for us to get an email from somebody that says, "Oh, I just finished your twelfth book in your series, and I love it, and bless you for writing them." And that's that warms the cockles of my heart. But that might be a one-off connection. But if I get that connection, if they comment on my Facebook posts and they send me emails, and I just you start to recognize those names, what I do is I pull them into my little reader group which is where I give away advanced copies of my book. Um, And what I found that kind of was stunning was I give everybody that's in my advanced reader group, which is 210 people right now, I give every single one of them a free copy of each book before it's published. And the vast majority of them go on and buy it anyway. Mm-hmm. after it's done because they say I'm not in here to get the free book I just like getting it before everybody else does but I want to support you and I yeah. want I want my review on Amazon to say verified get that little check mark that yeah. verified check mark beside their review cuz they know it counts more in the algorithms so um to me those people that are in my advanced reader group that want to stick with me and and read everything uh, and they they help me they help they give me proofreading hey you know chapter 27 you you said the wrong word there uh which is certainly possible or uh and they're not afraid to call me out on things you know I didn't buy this guy's motivation in this scene what were you Mm -hmm. thinking and i make sure i never react negatively to that i think "Mm, you might be right i might need to go back and and reinforce some other scene to give him a better motivation in that scene um so uh, to me those those 210 people that i have in my advanced reader group those are my in my a plus readers and um i'll ask you this because i also have a large uh beta group um, with hundreds of people in there, and not everyone participates in every beta read. Um, some, you know, jump in here and there. And I've started to try to yes. like whittle down who are the ones that are really active and really involved, um, and will really read it and get leave a review, things like that. Um, 
whether it's good or bad, you know, whatever. I want honest feedback. But what are yep. I have some interesting strategies for handling that much volume of feedback because some people are like, oh my gosh, I couldn't handle more than you know three beta readers or ten readers. What are some of the ways that you streamline that? Um, yeah, process. I, I, I look for themes. Um, and, and what I notice is if I've wandered off the path as a writer and I've just messed something up, it's not one person that said, I, I'm not really comfortable with this part of the book or it just didn't resonate for me. It'll be three or four people that will tell me, um, I, I don't know what you're thinking of here. What do you? And so it's when I get those multiple, uh, uh, you know, we all have our little. Uh, moments that bother us and if one person says oh i you put a dog in danger i didn't like that well i've learned a don't put dogs in danger because people don't like that um i did that in my first time travel book and i still get grief i didn't kill the dog by the way the dog survived but they didn't even like that they didn't like that i raised the question of it um so everybody has those little moments and I, i i listen to those but i'm not quite i'm not willing to jump in and change things but if i get three or more people that all have the same issue with it and i forget i think it was neil gaiman that said beta readers are tremendous at spotting problems and they stink at giving proper solutions to the problems and and i think that's that's kind of true they they're like they're my canary in, in the coal mine that when they pitch over, I know, okay, I've made a mistake here, obviously, but they're not great at saying, what I'd like you to do is introduce a new character, and he rides in from the sunset, and he does this and that. We, we've we got to go back and be able to deconstruct our story. Once they do me the tremendous favor of telling me where I'm, I'm off the path, and then it's my job to just, you and I, we know it, it, the story is all these different moving parts, uh, and so i got to figure out which one went wrong and sometimes it's mm-hmm. i got to go all the way back to the beginning to fix that so yeah the story that the that the reader sees is sort of the facade and right we're doing with the structure on the inside yes and yeah they're yes they, when exactly. it's nice it's nice when it's a superficial thing on the outside okay typo here you gotta fix that yeah. sure that's fine but yeah, yeah I, I agree with you i i've had some people i have had the occasional overzealous beta reader who will go <laughs> in and like start trying to like give me examples of how they would write right and it usually yeah. has, you know, 10 more words than they need, you know, to say the same yeah. thing I said. They've added on words, which is usually the opposite of what I'm trying to do at that stage. I'm usually trying to hack hack words out to get it down to a streamlined exactly. story. And they're adding them back in for me. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate your efforts, <laughs> but um, <laughs> not you. what I was going for here. But um, yeah. There, but it is an amazing strategy. I, actually, Kay is watching. Kay, uh, who has become my gold standard of, of proofreaders who has now got herself a copy of the Chicago Manual of Style and goes through my stuff with fine tooth comb. Beautiful. If you ever yeah, if you ever need an amazing, uh, incredibly talented proofreader, Kay, I don't know if she's contacted you yet or not. But um, if if you ever see that name, uh, Kay Clark, then Pay attention. A plus reader. My <laughs> she goes straight onto the A list. Um, well, and honestly, I have my A plus clients, and then you kind of have your A plus plus clients, which are people who say, "What I really want to do is I'm not going to read it in sections because sometimes I'll put sections in my 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 beta reader group and let them read along as I write." They hold off, but as soon as I think, "Okay, I've got it as good as I can get it," I ship it to them, and 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 I've got 
three proofreaders now that are like my the same thing, my gold standard. And each of them kind of focuses on different things. This one does grammar. Uh, this one just looks for misplaced words and, and mm-hmm. homonyms that are wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And then another one is my fact checker. You know, he really goes through and because I write time travel, if I say the Munsters were on TV in 1967, he'll send me a note. You know, that was canceled in 1966, right? And I think, oh, I really should know that, but obviously I didn't. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's it's amazing what people will bring to the table as far as there are many varied talents that we don't have uh, because we can't know everything. But when we outsource to this group of this knowledge base. There's so much that you learn. I learn so much. Every time I write a book, I learn new things. And it's just it's Absolutely. just fun. Um, I was curious, do you handle it all through individual emails? I know I have all my beta readers put all their information in one shared Google document. So they only have one place yeah. to look. How do you do it? I keep thinking of, of doing that, and I, I haven't yet. Often they'll just – I'll just start a thread with, inside the the reader group, mm. um, and there, there are benefits and detriments to – and however you're going to handle it. But the benefit of doing it that way – is one person will say, well, this kind of settled with me wrong. And another one will come in and go, oh, I really like that part. What are you thinking? And so it kind of will spur a conversation mm-hmm. in there. And I can kind of just sit back and, and wait for them to kind of figure out. And sometimes at the end, they'll go, you're right. Never mind. I, I'm not that upset about it anymore. But I know that it's, you know, it, it gives me a much better perspective uh, that way. I keep thinking about trying the Google Docs thing and, you know, because they'll, don't, they'll don't. have those conversations in there as well, which is interesting. Yeah, they'll see like, multiple conversations. And um, yeah. sometimes I see like, little arguments going on in the comments section, which I'm like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> and, and in Google Docs, you can see them live. So you can actually see the people typing as I they're know. typing. You can which see is somebody typing. I, yeah. So like, we can see I there's like six other people. I write with people sometimes. I just haven't used it for feedback. But that's a good idea. I'm glad I came on today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is stream because I, I think what – one of my books, I had 30 beta readers, and I was getting 30 separate emails telling me the same issue that I had messed, the same typo I had messed up, and I had to remember, did I fix that this time? Or did I, I think I already fixed this one. So having a spot, a spot, um, you know, where I could just consolidate it and then cross things off to say this has already been dealt with. You don't have to tell me anymore. Um, that was good. Yeah. Kay says I love a few chapters at a time. It's much easier to have the story in my head when we finally get the completed book. Um, so I, I've been yeah. doing that. There's a, a select group of my beta readers who actually get stuff as I'm writing it. Um, yes. And then a lot of people will get the full thing at the end. So that's a different way to tackle it, I guess. Yeah, and I think I've just kind of found which of my readers prefer to do it which way. I know which ones like to see it, uh, you know, 10,000 words at a time and which of them are like, I get so frustrated by that. I want to know what happens next. And I say, I can't tell you because I haven't written it yet. Um, so I, I find that people tend to kind of self-sort into those different categories. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. So yeah, I didn't know we were going to be talking about beta reading this this episode, but we, <laughs> are, we are. So this is fun. <laughs> Uh, we always have some good tangents when we when we get on and have these conversations. So, um, I think last time we talked about how to build a good character for about fifteen minutes. So that was yeah, good. I go back and listen good. to that to remind myself. Sometimes. Do you? <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things that I want to try to focus on this uh, upcoming year with this epi- with these episodes is focusing on some of these craft items too. And uh, maybe I'll have you back on again in the future, and we can. We can get into some craft talk. I think that would be great. We'll we'll have to come up with some good topics. 
and then really get into the weeds we love, on some things. We love to talk about writing, right? I, 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 I sometimes talk to my wife about it so much that I just see her eyes glaze over. And I think I got to go find another writer to talk to who, who, who won't have that response. So maybe we can do that. Yeah, my wife will understand your wife's pain completely. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. Well, yeah, Sean, it's been fantastic. Obviously, we, you know, half hour, half hour goes by too fast as always. But um, thank you for taking the time out of your day to come hang out with us and uh, share your your knowledge and and your books. I love it. I'm looking forward to your book coming out next week or this week, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll. Um, I, I'm not going to have an episode next week because I'm doing this book launch, but I will post a link to the launch party so that everyone will be invited. Uh, if they want to stop by and check out what's going on, I'll definitely post that. Um, can, tell people a little bit about where they're finding you. I know you said you have a Facebook reader group. If people want to find more information about you, where's the best place for them to find find that? Yeah, if they just go to Facebook, if they really are interested in being in my reader group, that's great. It, it, you just I don't have the address in my head, but it's uh, uh, just uh, I'll search pop it into Facebook. The comments. I'll, I'll put it in okay, the comments. Okay, that's section. great. But just my, my regular group where I have – 3,200 of my closest friends that I hang out with. That's my Facebook writer page, and that's just facebook.com forward slash Sean Inman writer. And I'm one of those weird writers that has elected not to have a website anymore. Um, And the reason is I find I would build a website, and it would be pristine for about a month, and then I'd start releasing books, and I'd forget to add them in there, and and it just looked terrible. And I, I, I built three different websites, and all three of them I let fall into disuse before I finally figured out it's just not for me. Um, so Facebook is really the best way to get a hold of me. You have to choose your strengths. Um, I was just recently yes. reading um, Becca Symes, Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. I don't know if you've read that yet. but I, wanna I get, love Becca. Yeah, I want to get her on the show. That's, uh, I'm going to see if she, she'd be willing to come chat with us. But that was, was one of just, the... Uh, yeah, I was just talking to Becca. I'm going to have lunch with her in Vegas at the Twenty Books Conference in about ten days. So are you? Okay, oh, yeah, I'm I love jealous. her. She's, a, yeah. she's so cool, so awesome. I just went to yeah, a class at Mink. Yeah, I'm, she'll, she'll pin your ears back. That would be good. <laughs> I would love to have her on. So we'll see what we can do. If not, I'm at least going to do an episode on what my takeaways from the book because there was a lot. Uh, but one of them was lean into your strengths. So and don't try to be good at everything. You know, and if, if websites aren't your thing, then you know it's not your thing. So uh, I think that's, that's good advice for authors that we don't all have to do everything the same way everyone else is doing it. So, yep. yeah. Well, anyway, thank you for, for sharing your knowledge, especially the tips about the, the, uh, the paperback giveaways. That was, that was invaluable. And uh, like I said, we'd love to have you on again in the future. Anytime. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching and for listening. And we'll see you back uh, next episode. So long.